Welcome to North Coast Church. For Easter service times, to register for Serve Your City, or to get more information, go to northcoastchurch.com. There you can also find our digital bulletin. With it, you can fill out a communication card, donate, and even take sermon notes. Now, let's join Pastor Chris Brown for today's teaching. He's in your head, isn't he? And just to make sure that question was meant to show weakness, not to get a serious response, he ends it with a chuckle. And from across the barracks, a stern glare is given in return. See, even amongst the best of the best, the Roman elite, the Praetorian guard, there are lines you just don't cross. And question a man's strength, well, you'll find you've gotten on thin ice. Our questioner just stammers for a second and now tries to give advice. Be careful with that one. He's a different type of sorcerer. Some of our best men have crumbled at his side. Watch your step. And before he exits the barracks, one more word of advice. He'll stop and pause in the midst of a sunlight coming through an open door. As a reminder, your best weapons have no defense against strange new thoughts and ideas. And with that, he'll disappear. Our solitary figure who is left now takes off that helmet and sets it on a shelf, loosens a purple cape that their regime alone is allowed to wear and hangs it on the hook, displaying the winged insignia. Taking off a breastplate, he will sit on the marble bench and those words he can't get out of his head. Strange new thoughts and ideas. It's amazing how day after day, shift after shift with this new inmate has started to change him with strange new thoughts and ideas. Everyone takes rotations. Everyone has different duties, even amongst the elite of the Roman guard. But to be chained with this prisoner on house arrest is bringing... Well, it's bringing a cancer to the Roman Empire. Everything we're about, everything we've worked for, our double honor, our double pay, to reach the highest ranks and the most elite force in all of ancient history, and yet chained to this guy, Paul, for two years, as the best of the best make their different shifts and sit and hear his thoughts and ideas, the world starts to go upside down. Surrender. Let's just talk about surrender, for instance. One of the dirtiest words in the Roman Empire, it is that final act, what you can do only after your army, your power has been given the final death blow. They felt the full force of Rome, and then you beg for surrender. And yet after weeks of being next to Paul, surrender now becomes synonymous with freedom and purpose. Strange new thoughts and ideas. It's a wonder then we close our series over a year in the book of Acts, which is two verses. Two verses that today are going to leave you and I begging for more, and yet two verses that maybe are left a little vague on purpose. Two verses that are going to expose us to the rest of the New Testament. We'll get to that in just a second. Two verses 
the last book of Acts. Turn with me, if you aren't already there, to chapter 28. For some of you, it's a celebration. For some of you, finally, we're done with the book of Acts. We're done hearing about the story. The map we put up, Brandon, let's do it for fun. One more time. The map that we always put up, what happened in Jerusalem, what happened with three years of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what transpired because of that across the Roman Empire, what happened to town after town, city after city, as the news of this Jesus started to spread. We watched over 30 years covered in this book of Acts of Christianity, over 10,000 miles traveled by those that spread out from Jerusalem with this good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We've watched what's happened in port after port, city after city, island after islands, when people encountered this good news of who this Jesus was. And yet we've also seen the opposition, haven't we? We've seen the imprisonment, we've seen the beatings, the mob attacks, the riots, we've seen the stonings of some, the death of many, because these are strange new ideas to a Roman empire. To say there is one God, to say there is a new king, so you have to understand this rocks everything in a first century world. Your Roman gods are what protect every port, every city, every traveler. Your Roman gods are what give you your health. Your Roman gods are what give you your success. Your Roman gods are what give you your pleasure, your sexuality, your entertainment. Your Roman gods are what's the very essence of life. To live the Roman dream, you're gonna be blessed by the Roman gods. To want to live the Roman dream, you're gonna seek the blessings of the Roman gods and to in any way face cursing. Well, it's because of Roman gods. And the story starts spreading all across the Mediterranean, the Roman empire of a one true God that is not here to curse, that is not here to punish, that is not here to wield his power, but is here to invite all to a relationship. It shatters Roman thought. It shatters Roman ideas. And we end our book of Acts 30 years, 10,000 miles here in Rome. If you're just joining us, it's a great time because you're going to hear about this story. We're going to wrap it up. You're going to hear about where we're going in the future. Join with me. Two verses that spring us into strange new thoughts and ideas. We'll have to turn some pages today. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. It goes like this. For two whole years... Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Does it? You can't end the story. Did he get out? Did he get on trial? Did he get before Caesar? Did he die? We know he had to die some point in his life. You just end the story with that? Two whole years. Now, of course, Luke writing this, the travel companion of Paul, well-known historian, now biographer, he knows what's happened. He knows the end of the story. He knows this part of Paul's life only lasted two years. So why not tell us the rest of the story? Why not tell us what Paul did in the next four to five years after he was released from two years of house arrest? Why not tell us about the trial that took place or did it took place? Many say people all the way from Jerusalem never sent someone up here to try Paul. Why? Because they tried him in Jerusalem. They tried him in Caesarea and they know they don't have any Roman law that Paul broke. Why are you going to try to send a delegate all the way up here at that type of cost, expense of time and travel just to show up and go, we don't have the case. We just don't like his strange thoughts and ideas. 
Maybe he was tried. Maybe he did get a chance to speak. If so, we've seen him on trial at least five times. We know what he would have said. Luke, two verses for two years. He was under house arrest boldly and without hindrance. He preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus. Does it? As we jump in today, we're going to find maybe this is more than enough answer for what our study is and what we need. And yet it begs the question, what happened there? You put the pieces of the rest of the New Testament together. You find out he's got visitors during these two years. He's going to write letters, the rest of the New Testament, and he's going to talk about Luke and Aristarchus, which we know are with him on this journey. He's going to talk about visitors like John Mark, like Timothy, like Tychicus. He's going to talk about Onesimus, a runaway slave. It's the great Roman empire that somehow gets to his house dwelling. Paul leads him to Lord, finds he's an amazing man, a brother in Christ, and sends him all the way back to a slave over Philemon. You heard of Philemon? If you've been around Christianity for a while, it's another book. We'll get to that. We know in this, he's going to meet a guy named Demas, and he's going to be a visitor in this group. We know also about Epaphras, comes from Colossae, and tells him about churches. So in other letters, we know he's got great men and women of faith that come in and out of this rented house at his own expense when he's chained to a palace guard. We know he's going to write great books in these two years, like Ephesians, Philippians, also Philemon, and Colossians. And this is where we stopped and said, oh my gosh, in these two years, so much happens. We almost need another series about it. (gasps) Let's start the book of Acts again. No, we're not starting the book of Acts again. But here's what we're doing. We're doing all of this in our next series. Well, I'll tell you what Easter is coming up next week. I'll tell you about a short little thing we're doing for three weeks. But in a month, we're starting this. In a month, we're going to do the entire New Testament, one book a week. In a month, we're going to give you everything you need to know about the New Testament based on this. We're going to go in and say, so what is Galatians about? So what is Ephesians about? So what is Colossians about? So what is Philippians about? So what is First and Second Thessalonians about? So what is First and Second Timothy about? So what is First and Second Corinthians about? And you're going to see how these all fit on one map. We're going to use the book of Acts. I know I'm getting side. I'm kind of a nerdy, geeky guy when I get to this stuff. We're going to use the book of Acts, 30 years, over 10,000 miles that we've been teaching over a year to become the mobile, 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 What's the thing you hang over kids' bed? I don't know, it's been 19 years since we've done that. You're gonna hang this mobile. Sorry, Barrick, it's been 16 years. We're gonna have the book of Acts as a mobile that every New Testament book hangs on. So you're gonna have a year of studying a book of Acts, a series on every New Testament book, 30-week series, something like that, and you're gonna walk away going, I got it. Man, I got it. I got the New Testament. I see where all of this fits brilliantly, and more importantly, not historically, But what does this do with me today? Where do I fit in with the Ephesians, the Philippians, the Colossians? Where am I also struggling with being a follower of God with these strange new thoughts and ideas of surrender to a one true God and make him king when I'm plagued with the success of the Ephesians and prosperity, when I'm plagued with the sexuality of the Corinthians, when I'm plagued at times with my own prosperity of the Philippians, and is it for me, is it for God's kingdom? What am I supposed to do with generosity when I'm plagued at times with wanting to throw in the towel and give up on Christianity because it's just not working. Thank you, Second Timothy. And we're going to take a look in a series. I've given you the opportunity to go, now that we got the entire outline of what happened in the actions after Jesus, how every New Testament book hangs on this map, hangs on this book, and we're going to be able to own it and see it.
for today, I just want to stop and ask the question on this, why? <laughs> why? Before we close our study on the book of Acts, if you could sit with Paul under house arrest, he has to pay for his own home, his own house. It shows a couple things. One, he's a Roman citizen. He's not chained in a dungeon. He hasn't been found guilty of anything yet. So don't put a Roman citizen chained in a dungeon. Secondly, it shows the incredible favor that we've seen over the last 20 chapters of every Roman official, of every Roman guard that Paul has been with, how much favor and trust he's earned with them. He's allowed to be under house arrest for two years, still chained to a guard. He'll write about that in his other books, still chained to someone. And this great palace guard comes in on shifts and they sit with him and they have to listen to his prayers. They have to listen to conversations with Luke. They have to listen to conversations with Mark. Paul's not allowed to go out in the streets and preach, but groups are allowed to come to his home and they sit there, this greatest of all time elite force, and these huge men that have taken decades just to reach this rank, to get double honor and double pay, are being rocked by Jewish group and Gentile group and mixed groups coming in and hearing about this Jesus. And they can't escape it. It's part of them being on the clock. And we'll read about that when we come to Philippians. I just wanna sit next to Paul on the other side of the Roman guard and say, can you just sum it all up for us? We're doing a series, 2,000 years later. For those people that are around North County, for those of you that are in our venues on our campuses today, for others of you that are still watching from home and from so many of you that are watching beyond from North County, international and here in the States, are meeting together in homes and maybe with groups or individually. Paul, can you just tell us, why'd you do all this? I know it's your love for Jesus. I know love for God. I know he had a huge impact on changing your life and giving you grace and mercy. But could you just sum up for our study today? Why'd you go through all the beatings? Why'd you go through the imprisonment and the whippings? Why did you go through being stoned and left for dead over here? Why'd you go through over 10,000 miles, mainly of foot travel in your lifetime? Why? Because we'd like to close a series and, and give our people your motives. And Paul says, Chris, for you, I'll do it. In fact, I'll write it down. Leave the book of Acts. And you don't need to leave something there because we're not coming back to it. Past Romans, keep going. Past First and Second Corinthians, you're gonna hit a Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter one. You're gonna pass Corinthians, you're gonna pass Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Colossians chapter one. Four motives behind the mission in the book of Acts. Four motives. Why did Paul do what he did? Colossians, and we'll get to it in our new study coming up, is written from the two-year imprisonment in Rome. You don't need the map. That was me turning around. And in that, in chapter one, in this two years of house arrest in the Roman Empire, in Rome itself, Paul writes this book to a group of people, a church in Colossae. And in that, he goes, let me tell you why I do what I do. Four motives. Colossians chapter one, verse 24. Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you and I fill up my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant, circle, highlight, underline, by the commission God gave me. 
And the first thing he writes to the church here is, look, I know I'm suffering. I know what I've been through. You've seen it on the map. You've read my story. But let me tell you, I rejoice that I get to suffer because it has worked out for you. In my suffering, I have had an impact on other people's lives. No Christian should ever want suffering and no one should ever love suffering for the point of suffering. But as we've talked so many times in this series, sometimes we will get into dark places so our light can be seen even brighter. Sometimes we can be put in places that we never ventured to go, like the island of Malta, just so an entire island of people can now hear about the good news and gospel. Never on our agenda, never our hope of being there, but look what God did because this was my dream and I had to go here or we were brought to this point and look who God impacted. And Paul writes that from the beginning, all my sufferings, all of my afflictions, the very first of four motives, this can't be about me. You wanna take on the motives of Paul. How can you and I live a Christian life like this? We gotta come to first of all, this can't be about me. Last week, Hilkin did a great job of talking about how do we share our faith? How do we share our faith? Uh, This is really part two on it. Let me tell you why we should want to share our faith and then we can look at his message on how we share our faith and these two are gonna go together brilliantly. His is gonna be brilliant. Mine's gonna be somewhat goodly. Even the English gives it away. This is gonna be really goodly. What is our motives? Why should I do something? And first of all, as we get into it, I've gotta come to a motive of it's no longer about me. It can't be about my Christian dream. I mean, it can't be about my American dream. We look at the life of Paul and we realize, man, if it's about what is best for me, what is most prosperous for me, where can I get the best life possible, the easiest life possible, that's pretty much gonna take me contrary to the Christian life. It's why Jesus made it clear right up front. There was no fine print. He didn't let you get to level nine of Christianity, then level 10. He's like, now that you made it this far, let me tell you what's in it. From the very beginning, he called the crowds to simply say, you're gonna have to pick up your cross and follow me. You're gonna have to deny yourself, your hopes, your dreams, your life to follow me. It's why Paul will write in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. I know I still live, but it's Christ living in me. I had to put myself to death. The very beginning, the first motive, if you wanna follow this plan in Christianity, is simply this whole thing of this, this can't be about me. Have you noticed the similarities in the last 30 years of watching Paul? The persecution, the being brought before Roman officials, the court, the trial, being found guilty of nothing that he has done. Have you noticed the similarities? There's almost a warning that Luke writes in the book of Acts, the way he's put it together. When the people of Jesus follow the way of Jesus, their story will start to look like his story. When the people of Jesus start to follow the way of Jesus, don't be surprised if your story starts to look like his story. I think that's why we gotta be careful when we say, man, I'm a Christian, I wanna live the Christian life. Do you wanna live Christ's life? (laughs) Can I remind you of the ending of that? I mean, we are entering Easter week. This is Palm Sunday. This is a guy on this weekend that rides into Jerusalem claiming three times, this is where I give up my life. I'll be honest with you, church. I always have been, and you've always stayed with me, even though I've been honest. I want a Christian life, but I demand for it to be much better than Christ. My prayers give that away. I want a Christian life. I just really demand. I don't demand. I ask God nicely in prayer, constantly, that he gives me a better life than he gave his son. I want a Christian life, but I don't want to live like Christ. 
I want to be like Christ as a good person, loving people so that they can love me. But I don't want the persecution. I don't want the rejection. You see where I'm going with that? We find someone from the very beginning who understood this can't be about me. If I'm truly going to be a Christ follower, I have to accept whatever comes with it. And in a lot of cases, when we choose to be like Christ, our story will resemble his. And yet Paul says, but I can rejoice because in those afflictions, you happen. In those afflictions, you heard the gospel. Through all those persecutions, the word of God was shown to so many different places, so many different jail, jailers, so many different Roman guards, so many different inmates. And then he picks up and he says this. It was the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery, you may want to circle that word, that has been kept hitting for ages and generations, but has now been disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this, there it is again, circle it, mystery, which is Christ in you. Circle, highlight, underline, the hope of glory. Four motives, he's writing in that home imprisonment to the church. Let me remind you why I've done what I've done, why we've studied what we've studied the last year. First of all, it wasn't about me. I can't make it about me. The moment I want what's best for Chris, it's gonna derail me a lot of times from following Christ. I had to surrender me. Secondly, I have great news to share. He goes, this is why I've been commissioned in its fullness to tell you this incredible mystery that God had kept known until now. The incredible mystery that Jews and Gentiles will both share and this incredible mystery of Christ in you. There's your hope. There's your glory. Christ in you. There's your hope. There's your glory. Man, that's easy to teach. Wow, that's difficult to be able to say. What's your hope and dreams for this life? I may get through a top 20 list before I get Christ in me. What's your hope for your family, your marriage, your life? Is it Christ in you? A fullness of Christ, a deeper walk with Christ. That's my hope and that's my glory. Mm, this one's easy to teach. This one's hard to sit down and go, what are your hopes and dreams for the next 20 years? Where does Christ in you Christian, Christian, truly fall. And he goes, this is great news. Now, some of you may get hung up on that word mystery. He uses a couple times. You're like, so what's the mystery? I don't get the big mystery. Well, that's because we have 2,000 years of Christianity. A lot of this, even if you've just come to church for the first time, you may be hearing going, I still don't get a big mystery. Understand first century though. Understand an ancient world. Understand almost every ancient civilization had something in common, and that was a religion. It's almost as if it's hardwired in every human being to believe in something outside of yourself. It's not a rarity to find ancient civilizations that have religion. Almost all anthropology will show you here was their religious belief. No matter how spread apart these cultures were, no matter how far removed they were from each other, no matter how far back we go in ancient times, almost everyone believed in some sort of gods and goddesses, some sort of other that was out there. 
Almost every ancient civilization had some understanding of you need to appease the God and ask favor for gods. Most of these ancient civilizations had some sort of sacrifice, even child sacrifice for many of them. You had to do something to appease the God. You might've done something wrong. You don't wanna incur their anger and to get these gods favor. I mean, this is historic in almost every people group and almost every group has this understanding of our mortality. We see human beings come and go. We're mortal. There are gods out there and you need to do something to win God's favor or, or to get grant God's forgiveness. This is across human history. The mystery, especially in the Roman world, that there is one God, one creator God, and his plan is to live in you? Understand Greek and Roman culture. Understand the gods and goddesses of the, the, the Greek times. Man, these are gods that would toy with humans, trifle with humans, but that a god would ever be in a mere mortal, ridiculous, laughable. And for Jew and Gentile, for the Jewish world, this is a greater mystery. God set the Jews apart, their chosen people, God's people, his redeemer, his Messiah will come from them, not for everyone else, for the Jew. We're set apart, we're a holy nation and that Christ would offer this for everybody, mystery. You see that word mystery biblically is just making known what has been known. It's not a riddle. It's not something hard that you have to decipher. Um, okay, let me give you a mystery. Uh, my name's Chris, but my given name is Christopher. That's not too big of a mystery. It's a little mystery. You know what my middle name is? Earl. Yeah, Christopher Earl Brown. That's that's my full given name. I think it's uh, somewhere in my family line there was a duke or something like that. Uh, I don't have any proof of that, but it makes for a good story. Christopher Earl Brown. Mystery solved. <laughs> Biblically speaking, mystery solved. See, see, we have this idea of mystery as something that you, you have to be sleuthful about. You gotta have a magnifying glass, some tweed hat. It's gonna take hours to try to decipher who did what, what, where, in what room, with what candlestick. See, see, the mystery biblical is just saying, here's what we didn't know, now we know it, mystery solved. Middle name is Earl, mystery solved. This God came to live in humans, all humans. This is the mystery. And Paul says, for this is my motive. I've got great news to share. As Hilkin talked about last week, man, how great is your news? To go, this is what's changed in my marriage. This is what's changed in my ego and pride. Still a ways to go on that. This is what's changed in, the, in my mouth. This is what changed in what I used to do on weekends. This is what changed in the way I used to see females. This is what's changed in the way I used to view my property. This is what's changed in the way I used to view my finances. And this is surrender. And it is no longer a dirty word because someone finally did a death blow. It's because of his death blow. I now have freedom. And all I had to do is give up. All I had to do was tap out. All I had to do was become his. This is the mystery, the great news for which I've traveled 30 years, 10,000 miles, city after city, port after port, island after island to share with people who don't know. This is great news. Which brings us to number three. We proclaim him admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. Third motive, I have people to share it with. <laughs> I have people to share it with. 
He goes, let, let me tell you, my motive was it can't be Paul's life anymore. If it's Paul's life, I'm staying in Jerusalem. He comes from a wealthy family in Tarsus. He had life set. I had to abandon that life, give up on it's all about me and realize, man, this is about Christ. In that then I realized what Christ did in my life, this is amazing news, great news. I need to share it. There's a burden on my heart for that. And then thirdly, I've got people to share it with. Now for Paul, that people to share it with was who? The Roman Empire. This was a guy that was called to go global, if you will, at that time. Man, I want to take this to the known world. But, but let me tell you, Christian, you've got people to share this with. Your world may be two people, one person, it may be 15 people, it may be an office, it may be a classroom, it, it may be a neighborhood, it may be a team you're coaching, it, it may be a parents group that you meet with, it may be a mom's group that you meet with, it may be a single dad's group that you meet with. You've got someone to share this with. There are people in your life, in your Roman empire, whatever circle that is for you, that need this good news. And you're the beholder of it. And you're beholding far more than just great news because look at number four. To this end, I labor, struggling with all of, we can play. Okay, campuses, let's go, come on. I know, tent in Fallbrook, I know you got the Taj Mahal out there, but still, we're all playing on this one. If you're playing at home, you can do this. To this end, I labor, struggling with all, <laughs> okay, that was still weak. RB, come on, you're in your alleyway, you got your flat screens, we're doing this together, all together. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. Fourth motive, this can't be about me. <laughs> this can't be about me. Where have I seen that before? Oh, that's right. That was our first motive. The first motive, you see how this thing comes around? It can't be about me, what I want. It can't be about my life. It can't be putting me first. My hope and glory is Christ in me. This is great news. I've got people in my life to have to share with and I come back to it can't be about me, but a little different. Doing this work of God now can't be about me. Accomplishing this work can't be about me. The very power source that I need struggling with all of his energy, which so powerfully works in me. It's God's purpose that we're about, and it's God's power that we do it with. Okay, next week is Easter. I'm taking a deep dive into the Holy Spirit. What's the deal with a ghost with holes in it? And let's just talk about what that is, but the very power source that is within us, the very life of Christ in us. Man, if you thought Jesus' death on the cross did something for you, wait until you understand there's a tomb that's empty. Wait until you understand what blows away all Greek and Roman thought, what starts spreading like a cancer across the Roman Empire, eating up and chewing and devouring everything about gods and goddesses. No, 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 no. There is one true God, one king. He is not Caesar, and he wants to reside in you, in you. And Paul says, the work I've done, it was 30 years, 10,000 miles. And Paul says, I didn't do that. And he writes in those last two years in Rome. And if we asked him, can you just give us your motives? He writes down, here's four of them. I died to me. It's the calling of Christ. 
I didn't come to Jesus to bless my life. I didn't come to give me someone to be married to. I didn't come to Jesus because I wanted to get wealthier. I didn't come to Jesus because I, I needed our cancer fixed. I came to Jesus because I was done with me and I surrendered. Oh, church, I've told you, I'll pray for success. I'll pray for finances. I'll pray for illnesses. But I'm not in this to use God. I signed up at the very beginning that he would use me. So whatever hand is dealt, all right, Lord, use this. Because I have a story to tell, the great mystery. There is one true God and it is for all people. And I don't care what box someone puts you in. I don't care how far you think you've gone. It's for all people. It's God in us. And my motive, that's my hope. That's my glory. And I got people in my life that need to hear it. And here's the beauty, it's not about me. I walk in this hope and glory and allow him to fill my life and splash off into those that I come into contact with. You see, there's two fundamental questions that are now answered when we end the book of Acts. Number one, who am I? Who am I? This was probably the greatest struggle for Chris between, well, whatever teenage years and definitely into about 23, 24. Who am I? I know my personality. I know what the crowd wanted me to be. I know the role I play when I walk into a room, but I had no clue who, what I was really about. Who am I? And the book of Acts ends with the cross of Jesus, ends the cross of Jesus and picks up the book of Acts and says, now let me tell you who you are. You are the one he came to die for. You are the one his life came to save and forgive. And you are what the risen tomb now allowed that life to live in. You are a son or daughter, a prince or princess in the kingdom of God. You have value, not because of who you are, but because of whose you are. That's the great mystery. That's the great good news. No matter what role you played in the Roman Empire, from slave to free, from prisoner, from those that were criminals that hung next to Jesus on the cross, to Caesar himself, there's a place in God's kingdom for you. And yes, it involves surrender. And with that, there's a new identity. This question has been solved. I know who Chris is. I know whose I am. I know I'm a son of a living God. I know I'm a prince in the kingdom of God. I know I'm heir to the throne. I know what my destiny is. And therefore, it solves question number two. What do I do? And now I know my purpose. In this short lifespan that we have, I know what my purpose is. I, I know what I'm supposed to do here at North Coast. And we don't get every question right. We don't get every decision right. But we know what our goal is. We're here in North County. And for all of you watching beyond, we're here to teach the word of God in its fullness. We're here to take, if it needs to be, 58 weeks in the book of Acts, simply to get it right, simply to verse by verse do what Paul said, I will teach the word in its fullness. I'm not gonna skip over passages. We're gonna run right through this thing in hopes that it brings others to this great story and matures them in their faith. But this is where you and I've gotta stop and go, but man, that's a struggle. We've seen the life of Paul. That's a hard person to be compared to. Brandon, one more time with the map. Are we really gonna do this? <laughs> this was always a struggle for me in church. Here's what Paul did, 30 years, 10,000 miles. Look how many times he almost, boys and girls, boys and girls, look, look, listen, listen, look, look. Look at how many times he almost got killed. Look at how many times he was in prison. Look at the shipwreck. Look, now he's before Caesar. 
go be like Paul. And I'm like, <laughs> can you lower the bar a little? Like, can you talk to me about inmate number 37 that was on this ship that got shipwrecked? I think that's the guy I identify with. The guy that barely gets a name when it scrolls up in the credits. And it just says inmate 37. <laughs> Are you really going to teach me about Paul and Peter and Timothy and say that's what we're supposed to do? And here's what I want to encourage you with. As we look at these motives and we understand, okay, this is what I do. This is looking at... Uh, this is looking at Michael Jordan. I mean, this is looking at the greatest Christian evangelist at all time. This is looking at the greatest church planner of all time and saying, go be like Paul is like saying, go be like Michael Jordan. Arguably, but I don't even, I say arguably for those of you basketball nuts out there that want to just argue with me, but it, there's no argument. Greatest basketball player of all time, all time, all time. And someone throws me a ball and says, watch Michael Jordan. And I'm like, that's, that's my example? don't get caught up in how many rings he has. Don't get caught up in how many championships. Don't get caught up in how many all-star games, how many all-star MVPs, how many season MVPs, how many scoring titles, how many assists, how many steals. Don't get caught up in the defense and offense that he was able to play on both sides of the court. Don't get caught up in the amazing stats. But in the midst of it, be encouraged by the game, be inspired by how we played and go, man, that makes me want to remember the old sayings, be like Mike, man, that makes me want to go, man, I, I want to go out and shoot some hoop and we're all on the court. Some of us are trying to get down our dribble. Some of us are dribbling left-handed. Some of us can cross over between legs. Others of us on the free throw lines and we're still shooting the ball granny style, but we're all on the court. Don't get frustrated by seeing what Paul did, seeing the motives, and then hearing a pastor go, Christian, go be like Paul, and go, you're not gonna do this. Most of you will never be in this part of the land. Most of you will never leave maybe the city that you're in. But right now in your circle, there's a role you play on this team. <laughs> right now in your circle, there's a, well, there's a game clock. There's a game clock that's going on. And right now we have the ball. And your game clock is eternity. We live forever, people. And for a short time, we have the ball. It's called a shot clock. And for a, for, for a short time, we're responsible for just what we do with the ball when it's in our hands. I think that's why Luke leaves the book of Acts open because the Holy Spirit is writing through him. He doesn't want a solid period on that or an exclamation point. He doesn't talk about Paul's release and what happened the next four to five years, Paul coming back and getting beheaded on the Ostian way. I love that the book of Acts is left open. Two reasons. One, there's a New Testament yet to be gone through. There's more studies for us to do. This doesn't end anything. But more importantly, at the end of the book of Acts, the ball is now in our hand. We're the next chapter. <laughs> We're the next chapter in this saga. Oh, it just hit me. I wish I was creative enough to move this over and have a map of North County, the United States, to talk about those of you that are in Kailua, those of you at Green Oak Ranch, those of you that are in Hillsboro, those of you that are walking and watching in North Coast, Yuba City. Are you kidding me? Those of you that are watching in Milwaukee right now, those of you that are watching out of the Houston area and getting together right now. Oh, I wish I had a map that just showed. Now is our map. Now is our time. Yeah, his story ended and it ended open ending because the shot clock reset and now it's ours. Now we have the good news in our hand. Now we're supposed to be doing something with this. Oh, Christian, you understand. You can't plan your life to death because you don't die. 
a Christian who is planning their life, their retirement, their finances, up to the point of death is an oxymoron. We don't die. Our game clock never runs out. We are eternal beings for a very short shot clock. I know who I am and what I'm supposed to do. And I've just watched Michael Jordan play the game. And I'm not gonna win those championships. I'm not gonna travel like that. But I got somebody. I got somebody. That's why this is so important. Why we close the book of Acts. Because there are two things we will never get in heaven. Number one, our friends and family who don't know Christ. We'll never get that in heaven. It's the part I wrestle with in the Bible. Why does Jesus have to be the only way? Why did he beg three times in the garden that there's another way for anyone to be saved? If there's another religion out there, then dad, don't make me die on the cross. And God said, this is payment for all of mankind. This is salvation for Jew and Gentile for the world. I wrestle with that because that means there's people in my life, good people that need this truth. There's people that need to know, as, as Chris talked about last week, how my life has changed. This is my story, and I'd love to share that with you. And now I have the motivation, because this life isn't about me. I'm on a shot clock. I've got great news to share. I've got people in my life to share it with, and it's God's spirit that's gonna want me to do that, because God wants you to reach your friends and family more than you do. God wants to reach your coworkers more than you do. It is his plan, it is his purpose to do that, so when we step out by faith, it is his power that is gonna make that happen. And there's two things we won't get in heaven. Friends and family that don't know Christ. We only have this shot clock to make sure we share that. Which brings us to number two. Another thing we won't get in heaven is another opportunity to share with them. <laughs> another opportunity to share with them. If this ending to the book of Acts is disappointing, it's supposed to be. I think it's left open because it's not over. The ending's now on us now. And our shot clock may expire, and there may be another generation that picks up the ball. I don't know how many of those are left. But for now, in this short, brief time on earth, we've got it. We're the next chapter. And we turn the last page in the book of Acts. And sitting in two years house arrest, he writes a letter to the Colossians. I just wanna remind you why I'm chained to these guards, why they have to hear this story, what the purpose was about. My life was impacted by God in an amazing way and I realized I can't make it about me. I've been given this great news. My hope, my glory is more of Christ in me. And I got people to share that with. So I'm not gonna slow down. I'm not gonna let obstacles deter me. I will let every beating, every trial, every health issue take me to some place I didn't plan on go just to share with that island whose I am. And here's the beauty. It's not about me. I just put myself in a place where his power, his energy, his spirit does what he wants to do with me. It's the book of Acts. That's not just his story. That is now our story. That is my story. That is your story. And this whole thing has been God's story. What an invitation.
Father, may we be a people that pick up these motives, that understand who we are and what we're supposed to do here. May the top of our American dream become Christ in me. That's my greatest hope. That's my greatest glory. Because for this 40, 50, 60, 80 year shot clock, may you find me useful on the court. May the population of heaven forever be changed because of our faithfulness here. And may you show us, Father God, how to simply walk in obedience and what your spirit wants to change in us from the inside out. May we bring people to hear your story. May we come next week to Easter and catch once again the purpose, the mystery of God in us. May we learn to walk in that fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you were challenged and encouraged by this message. If you'd like to give, you can donate online through our website or our North Coast Church app. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.